Welcome to Britcham Cambodia and the UK Department for International Trade's podcast series, Doing Business in Cambodia. Hello, welcome everyone. My name is Jane Wilding. I'm the Executive Director of Britcham Cambodia and I'm the host for today's podcast. The topic for today is Electronic and Digital Payment Solutions in Cambodia. And with us today, we have Matthew Tippetts, who is the CEO of Click Payments. So a very warm welcome to you, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. And we're going to dive straight into the topic. So perhaps you could start with introducing yourself and your company. As you know, my name is Matthew Tippetts. I'm British. I've been in Cambodia for over 10 years. And I co-founded Click uh, in Cambodia, which is a, a payment aggregator slash data monetization platform to help basically businesses better understand their customers and better service them and get them to become more loyal and grow uh, effectively their, their business using the data. And perhaps that leads us quite naturally into a little bit about the digital payment market in Cambodia. So what's mm-hmm. kind of the evolution of that been like? Um, pretty impressive, I would say. Uh, I've been here 10 years. If you look at what it was like 10 years ago, there was very little, right? We had Wing and that was it. And now Wing is a, is a $35 billion uh, monster. Uh, and you have banks like ABA who've, who've taken up massive market share with mobile banking apps, where a lot of people are basically using their mobile banking apps to do payments in shops. That's dramatically changed. Uh, I think if you compare it to a lot of Western markets, that penetration is way faster. Um, you have a lot of competition. There's a lot of payment companies. Right. I mean, we just got our license in January. We're, we're license number 31. Uh, we're not the only ones, but we do a lot of different things. But the market is very dynamic. Um, it's growing very fast. Uh, I think within you know, a few years, you'll figure out that most people have a bank account by then. Most people will be able to do digital payments. Most people will have proper financial literacy, which is very important for this country. So it's, it's, it's an exciting time. So going back to 10 years ago when you arrived here, I think one of the things that was very apparent in the community was a very, very high amount of unbanked uh, people, very young population, uh, high penetration of cash payments and what we've seen is a very high penetration growth of mobile phone usage. So all of those things must certainly have driven this um, digital payments ecosystem rapidly in Cambodia and probably in the surrounding countries. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that in city you've got smartphone penetration, which is close to 100%, right? I mean, if you look at the phone in general, I mean, the average Cambodian has two phones. Of course, if you go into the provinces, the penetration of smartphones goes down, but it's still pretty high on an average. And that's why, you know, uh, you've got big players like Wing who, who have a lot of their clients using the app, ABA, you know, now with an instant bank account, you download the app, you get a bank account. I mean, these things are things you perhaps don't even see in certain developed markets where it's so easy to open a bank account. And that's uh, that's a beauty of a market like, like Cambodia and Southeast Asia in general. So we've discussed a little bit about the number of digital payment options and digital players that are in the market in Cambodia. And um, maybe that leads us naturally on to the regulations for digital payments. Do you share a bit, a bit of your information about that for us? Okay. Well, the central bank in 2017 put in a new framework for digital payments, which was a PSI, uh, you know, uh, payment service institution, which basically is a license specifically for payment companies, 
whereby they can go to the central bank and get directly from them a license. It was a big change from before, where you had to, before, to do payments, you had to partner with a bank and operate under that uh, license. It was uh, basically a, a third-party processor uh, model. So that's opened the market now. That's why there's now a lot of licenses in the market. It's very straightforward. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a longish process. Uh, it's a lot of things to file. We managed to get through it. Well done. Um, so uh, we're very happy. We're very grateful to uh, the National Bank of Cambodia uh, for supporting us. So uh, we got the license early January. So in terms of getting your license, you said it took a bit of time. Um, any advice for anybody that's going to be doing the same? Um, well, for us, it was a very straightforward process, right? They gave us a list of requirements. Um, we put in uh, a filing. We had a direct relationship with the National Bank of Cambodia. It's a, it's a pretty strict process. Um, we, uh, within a few months, we got what we call the agreement in principle, which basically is subject to a few other additional conditions we had to fulfill. It took us a year and a half to fulfill those conditions, but we eventually, we, we managed to do that and got the license as per what the central bank said. So we were very happy about it. It was a very straightforward process from that point of view. Um, frustrating because it was long, but, uh, you know, they said, this is what you need to do. We did it and we got the license. So we're, we're pretty happy about it. That's excellent. Yeah. Even though it was long, I guess the, um, the comfort in knowing that it was quite strict and quite uh, thorough must yeah. be quite good for anybody entering the market. I think those things are important. Um, and in terms of the digital payment, in, um, e-payment industry here in Cambodia, what are the main challenges? Main challenges would be, um, one, differentiation. There are so many payment companies which do exactly the same thing, which are going for the same customer. Um, if you're not differentiated, it's very difficult. Uh, the cost of acquiring a customer, trying to convince them when you don't really provide more value than the other, makes it very, very difficult. This is why for us, we've really focused on differentiating with data monetization, with things which can really add value and bring value to, to a merchant to differentiate ourselves. And if you look at what we do, I mean, payment is just a means to an end, frankly. It's, it's not the core of, of, of our business. Um, that's, in my view, the, the, the number one challenge. And, you know, you see a new payment company coming to market all the time, but, you know, how many do you see getting massive market share? You don't. Because it's very, very difficult to differentiate, to be competitive. And, you know, when you compare to the banking market, which participates in the payment market, right, a lot of them charge zero, right, for their services. So how do you compete with a bank which is charging zero? And if you had to summarize that value and that differentiation for click payments, what, what would it be for those merchants? So when we do launch, because we're, hope, we're not yet launched, we're hoping to launch middle, uh, middle of the year, the, the key objective is to provide them with a technology which can really get them closer to their customers via the loyalty plans so that it instills repeat purchasing, which is what a lot of people forget, the core of a loyalty plan, right? Loyalty is I come back and I spend money, right? Giving a discount is not loyalty, it's marketing. I want you to come now. 
and I'm going to give you 20%, right? Doesn't do anything whether you're going to come back tomorrow without that 20%. And we know the answer. You don't come back if there's no discount. So um, loyalty is critical, right? Helping the merchants get close to their customers, getting them to repeat purchase. That's number one. Number two is getting them to understand who their customer is, right? The reason why e-commerce works incredibly well is not just because it's super practical and it's online. It's because that business knows exactly who you are. They know what you like. They know what you're doing on the website. They know where you live. So all that data, and they can buy a lot of data from Google and so on to, to profile you. They, they sort of know exactly what the kind of stuff you like. And so they'll be very good at getting you to repeat purchase. That's why people are hooked on, you know, you know, Amazon and buying stuff on Amazon because it's easy, it's practical. They know what I like. They show me the right things and so on. eBay, same thing, you know, big e-commerce. That's what they do. But that's data-driven. It's entirely data-driven. What we're trying to do is to bring that to brick-and-mortar businesses. And that's a challenge. But we think we can do it. And that's data that those uh, mom-and-pop stores and smaller stores would just never have. Um, certainly in a city where you don't necessarily know... And they don't have it, even with us, because we have to protect it because we're GDPR compliant. Yeah. So we have to protect the privacy of the data. We do not sell third-party data. We do not do all that kind of stuff. So the data remains private, secured, anonymized, uh, so so that we protect that data. Because this is one of the main concerns. Everybody's like, oh my God, what are you doing with my private data and all that stuff? This is the number one concern, right? We need to be able to collect that data. We need to be able to enrich it. And we need to be able to protect it. And then we can monetize it, provide it via our tools to the merchants so that they can really grow their business efficiently. But respecting the privacy of their customers. That's the number one thing. If we don't have that trust, we will never get these customers. It's really interesting, that dynamic of um, anonymity of data, but also the value that um, any data-driven marketing um, activity takes an awful lot of data built up over time. So um, you're very right to be looking at how to give everybody the confidence that, that data is protected because that's how you build it faster. Um, really fascinating. And we touched briefly there on cost of transactions. So mm -hmm. you're saying differentiation was one of the key challenges and also one of the real needs of any entrant into the market. And you're differentiating against banks who have maybe zero cost. Um, mm -hmm. So in terms of costs associated with digital transactions, how can they be offset for a business or how can they be minimized? To reduce uh, the cost of payments, um, is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. I was, I was just kind of thinking through, it's a bit of a red flag to people, digital payment system, how much is it going to cost me? How much is it going to cost me as a merchant? How much is it going to cost me as a consumer? Price sensitivity in Cambodia is enormous, mm -hmm. right? There's one of the main reasons why, for example, certain merchants don't have a payment terminal from a bank. It's not just because sometimes they're not even registered with the MOC, so like, they can't even get it if they wanted it. It's, uh, it's because they don't want to pay 2 or 3% commission, right? Because it's very expensive. Now, you've got products in the market which do QR code payments at zero from banks, Right? You have to compete against that. You have to differentiate. Right, You have to bring a different value. Because the point I'm making is really that when you look at pure payment, 
moving money from A to B, whether it's from a consumer to a merchant or from B to B from a merchant to another merchant for supplier payment or whatever, it's a commodity, right? Moving money, transfers is a commodity, right? And commodities don't have much value, right? Uh, an analogy is, for example, minutes on a phone, right? You may remember 20 years ago when I was in the UK, um, my cell phone charged me by the minute, right? And you pick up the phone and you know, you get your bill and you have a heart attack when you see your bill, you know, you're paying a hundred pounds a month. It's, it's crazy, right? You look at it today. Cambodia was one of the first countries, I think it happened three, four years ago, where there were more minutes done with VOIP applications on your phone so the WhatsApps, messengers, telegrams, and so on, than using the traditional phone network. And you pay zero for it, right? Because a minute of voice became commoditized. The same thing is going to happen to payment. And it's already happening, right? Banks are already doing payments at zero, right? We're going to zero. You know, we look at our business model for certain transactions, we're going to zero. Right, not immediately, but that's where the industry is going. The value is coming elsewhere. It has to come from what you do with the data, how you protect it, how you monetize it, how you can use that to get the business to grow properly, right? Without abusing the consumer, without annoying him, but by creating a better experience uh, and getting a merchant closer to his customer, right? That's what we're trying to do. And Matthew, perhaps we can discuss a little bit about your partnership with MyPinPad, which are a UK tech solutions company. I'm sure our listeners would be really interested in hearing a bit more about that. Okay. Um, we were lucky to, uh, to partner with them a few years ago. Um, they're based out of the UK and uh, they have what we call pin-on-glass technology. Uh, they were the first to get certified and to develop a solution in production right now where basically we can transform any mobile device into a payment terminal, meaning I can take my Visa card and I can tap it on an Android phone and do a payment, right? That's amazing because that's a revolution in the sense that it's basically tap to phone and that means that any smartphone can be transformed into a payment terminal. Now, if it's an Apple, we need an additional device called the SCR because Apple doesn't let yet uh, companies use the NFC uh, chip in, in the phone to do that capability, but Android does. And uh, my pinpad were the first to develop the solution. We're very grateful to be partners with them. Uh, the ex-CEO and, and chairman is, is one of our advisors and actually one of our investors. So uh, we, we can't wait to launch this summer with, with that technology and deploy it because it's great for micro SMEs because it means that within five minutes, we can enable micro SME to accept Visa card payments and so on uh, immediately. And so that opens up the market for digital payments massively. And it's not just a QR code wallet, it's any form of digital payment, right? The key thing to think about us is we're, we're a payment aggregator. Um, we're not about one method more than one other. We're not trying to push a QR code wallet. Um, 
We work with MyPinPad because specifically we want to be able to accept cards, but we can do payments using wallets and we're partnered with other wallets, not just using our wallet. And we're partnered with banks so that the payment can come straight from the bank account. We don't really care where the payment comes from. Um, but coming back to MyPinPad, they were the first ones to come up with that technology. Uh, they've got actually new things coming up. Uh, which are absolutely amazing. Uh, and we hope to deploy that very soon. I mean, they have a capability where, for example, imagine if you went on to a travel website on your phone, right? You're going there for the first time. You're not a customer, right? But you're like, oh, I want to book this plane ticket, right? And you come to pay, right? You don't even have to register in anything. You take your phone, your, your card, and you tap it on the phone to do the payment. They don't capture your phone details. They just use uh, basically the NFC card details and so on. It's all tokenized. I mean, it's amazing. And you don't have to create an account, leave them with your payment details. And, you know, you're worried that that travel company will get breached and will send in your credit card details in the wild. No, you can take a card, tap on the phone and do that payment. It's amazing. Um, and so they're leading that kind of innovation. So uh, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. And perfect technologies for this kind of market. So a few years ago, we were um, in a situation where we had high mobile penetration, but an awful lot of the population unbanked, 50% of the population under 25, um, lots of micropayments, a market that has, the economy has been dominated by micro SMEs, so small one to two people businesses, um, family businesses predominantly. Um, so that kind of technology is absolutely superb. Um, in terms of being able to reach digital payments out through the cities and even out into the provinces and the countryside. And in terms of changing those payment habits um, of the consumers, I believe it is much more rapid in a developing country like Cambodia. Could you share a bit information on that? Absolutely. I mean, this is one of the exciting parts of Southeast Asia and Cambodia in particular, when you look at new technologies, they get adopted much faster. I mean, to give you a data point, for example, if you look at NFC contactless, you know, when you see the little logo on the cards, you know, you, you know London, you know the, 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 the cards we used to have for, for the tube and all that stuff, the NFC, the contactless, they've been around for 15 years. For payment in Europe, they've been around for more than 10 years. In Western world, it took around five years to get to 50% usage of contactless. Right, Visa launches contactless in Cambodia. It took them 18 months to get to 70% usage. The speed of adoption is massively faster. Um, and that's because, of course, we've got a younger population, but you've got a younger population which is less formatting with habits. And being young, they're more open to new things, right? Uh, and that creates a massive opportunity for innovation in our sector, uh, but not just in Cambodia, across the region, because we, we have the similar characteristics, right? ASEAN, you know, 70% of people are not banked, you know, more than 60% on average of payments are still done in cash. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a massive opportunity when, when, you, when you look at uh, that market and for changing habits. So, Matthew, we've just talked a bit about... Um the large amount of micro SMEs and entrepreneurs that there are in Cambodia, obviously is a huge amount of startups. And certainly with the digital transaction industry, 
it really feeds into that technological ecosystem and how that can support the entrepreneurial world here. Um, could you share some of your thoughts with us about that? Okay. I mean, I, I wrote, when was it, a year and a half ago, um, an open letter to uh, in support of the tech ecosystem in Cambodia. And I got like 20, 25 of the top, top companies, chambers and so on to sign it mainly because I'm a strong believer in the tech ecosystem in, in Cambodia. We've got, when we're getting more and more support from the government, whether it's the Ministry of Economy and Finance, Ministry of Innovation and Industry, MISTI, uh, MOC, uh, MPTC, the Telecoms Ministry. Uh, so they're all doing a lot to, to support the, the tech ecosystem, which is small, but, but growing and uh, needs support. Because like any startup, raising funds is the number one challenge, right? I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that we managed to raise uh, over $4 million to, to seed Click, and we're still not yet launched, uh, but it was difficult, um, you know, because I always get asked the question of why Cambodia, right? And you have to explain because it's an amazing ecosystem for launching new technologies and, and so on, but there's still a lot of awareness to be built. And this is why I'm very grateful to, to speak on the podcast to, to, to really bring that out because there are a lot of entrepreneurs with interesting ideas. Um, we need more funding, right? And I'm not just saying that for myself because we're raising money right as we speak so that we can launch later on this year. It's any entrepreneur right now. There's a lot of entrepreneurs with very interesting businesses. Um, the no their number one challenge is, is really uh, raising funds and then next challenge is, is, is really getting the right skills and everything to be able to deploy that effectively and, and grow their business out of Cambodia, right? Because Cambodia is a small market. It's not just about Cambodia, right? But it's a great place for starting uh, for entrepreneurs and for businesses. And the region is, is very exciting because a lot of the characteristics are similar. When I look at my sector, um, you know, very high on banking, a lot of cash transactions across ASEAN, you know, yes, a lot of payment competition, but a market where in general people are young and willing to change their habits for something more practical. And so that makes it a market where, you know, regionally there's a lot of growth. So coming back to the uh, tech ecosystem in Cambodia, I think it, it, it has uh, a bright feature. Uh, it needs more support. Um, you know, Cambodia does not lack money. There's, there's a lot of money in Cambodia. We can see it. Um, I think it's uh, it, more of it needs to be directed to startups to build up that ecosystem because you've got a lot of, you know, very interesting entrepreneurs. And uh, I think they, they, they deserve the attention and funding to, to, uh, to go ahead and, and build a stronger ecosystem. And I think that's quite encouraging for our listeners outside of Cambodia to hear that there's a huge amount of support from the government, the government ministries, and all it sounds like a number of the government ministries. Um, there's also an environment which is very pro-change, um, the pro-technology, very, the consumers in Cambodia are very, very quick to adapt, which is quite unique from maybe some of the older more established economies of the world so um, certainly all those all those attributes give southeast asia that opportunity for startups entrepreneurial spirit for the technology that supports that in that ecosystem i think cambodia's policy of being so pro business and pro international business also helps 
if you're looking at starting up in the region because it is somewhat easier here than it is in other countries. So well, the, the cost of doing business in Cambodia are lower. That's a fact. Um, you don't have capital controls. You don't have a currency issue. Uh, you know, so when you're looking at Cambodia, it's easy to bring money in. It's easy to take money out. You've got coming up, hopefully in the next few months, the new investment law, mm -hmm. which is going to give uh, tremendous tax advantages way beyond what it used to be, right? Because the old investment law was really about giving tax advantages to traditional industries like agriculture, like, you know, uh, industry, factories, garment, and all that stuff. And we're expanding it. And if you look at the list of the sectors, there are four out of the 14, I think, which have to do with technology, right? So it's becoming a focus. And this kind of thing is great support for the ecosystem, for bringing investors in so that they can see that, you know, there are tax advantages for that. And, uh, you know, this is this bodes well for, for, for the country and for opportunities in, in our sector. And that was interesting to hear you mention the uh, new investment law. So we've actually been planning a podcast, which we're going to be recording in the next couple of weeks on that. So we would encourage our listeners to uh, dial, delve into that podcast too. And it just leaves me to thank Matthew very much. So I've been talking today to Matthew Tippett, who is the CEO of Click Payments. Very interesting and engaging topic on uh, digital payments in the ecosystem in Cambodia. Uh, my name is Jane Wilding, the Executive Director of Britchan Cambodia. We look forward to welcoming you back again soon. Thank you, Jane. It's been a pleasure. Please join us for the next Doing Business in Cambodia podcast, which will be available soon. For more information on Doing Business in Cambodia, please contact the British Chamber of Commerce Cambodia or the British Embassy Phnom Penh.